Welcome. Come in, gather around, get, grab a seat. Um, so thankful for those of you who gave up an, a Thursday evening, which I'm sure is valuable in so many ways. I know some of you uh, have no children this evening and could have done a whole bunch of other things and gone to a whole bunch of exciting other places, but you chose to, came to come here. And uh, I'm just really grateful for that. Let me just give you an insight into what I think is going to happen this evening and, um, and so that you're aware. I think this evening will be probably unlike any other vision evening that I have done in the 12 years that I've been at Central because almost every time we do a vision evening we're announcing uh, a new building, a fresh vision, uh, some new church plants, some, uh, some new appointments, things that we're going to do that are going to shake us up and make some things happen because we have a vision for what God wants to do in the city and I, I don't want to do that this evening. I'm going to announce no new church plants this evening, I promise. Um, which doesn't mean we're done with church plants. It just means I'm not announcing any this evening. Um, I'm, I'm not about to announce any new appointments. Um, and I'm not about to give you a new vision with three points that rhyme um, in any way, shape, or form. I, I want to tell you what my ambition is. My ambition is that every single person in this room, and anybody who's listening to this later, would leave this conversation uh, with resolve to be involved with their hearts slightly warmed, if not a little freaked, and saying, I want to be part of what God is doing, and I'm in. Maybe even you'd use the phrase, all in, but we will uh, explain what I mean by that in a moment. You see, God has given to us a vision as a church, which is the same vision that he's been giving us for 12 years. We've used different language. We've talked about different strategies. We've talked about different ways of doing it. But effectively, he's given us the same vision. How do we love this city that he's called us to? Most people, you see, come to a city for what they can get out of a city, but God calls the people of God to a city for what they can give to a city. So how do we love Edinburgh? And how can we be family who love Edinburgh? How can this become something more than just a bunch of strangers who meet together every week and sing songs and listen to someone speak? And how can we better follow Jesus? How can we look like Jesus? How can we carry the Jesus stuff? I, I like to draw it like, um, like this. Um, I know we have a strap line that says loving Edinburgh, being family, following Jesus, but I, I think it's probably more effective and helpful if we draw it like this. This is the thing. Following Jesus is the thing. All those statements, loving Edinburgh, being family, following Jesus, they're not equal statements. It makes a good sentence. Well, it doesn't actually. It makes three, three statements. But, but, it, but it's not, they're not equal things. Following Jesus is the thing, isn't it? That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We're supposed to follow close after Jesus, his words and his works and his way. That's what's supposed to happen in our lives. The way in which we do the thing is to be family. That's how we do the thing. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it in isolation because you know and I know that if you try and do this thing on your own, it might work for a bit, but it ultimately burns out and struggles. 
How do we find a community of people who help us do the thing, which is follow Jesus? And, and the result of following Jesus, if we do it properly, if we do it well, if we do it with everything that we've got, if we learn how to do that thing, hear from him, speak on his behalf, do the things that Jesus does, do it in community, is that Edinburgh gets loved. It's the overflow of following Jesus and being family. And Edinburgh gets loved. If we don't follow Jesus, then we either become the pseudo-social work department or we become the golf club. But we're not called to be either of those things. We're called to be the church, a group of people who follow Jesus, who become family, who love the city to which we have been called. So that's the same vision. That's what we've always been trying to do. We've used different language, but that's what we're still trying to do. And uh, there are times when it's easy to do that, and there are times when it's really difficult to do that. There are times when it feels full of joy to do that, and there are times when you just you do it because you do it because you do it because you know it's the right thing to do. I've become um, fascinated in the last few days by the story of of conquering Mount Everest. Stay with me. This is going somewhere. And uh, I think Ed, Eddie put me onto the film Everest, and the film Everest, or whatever you think of the uh, cinematic offering that it is, the film Everest depicts an incredible story. 1996, uh, eight people died in what is known as the death zone, which I, mean, I love that phrase, the death zone, which is, which is a zone above 26,000 feet where where you actually cannot breathe enough oxygen to survive and your body starts to die. Eight people died on, on that occasion. But forget the film for a moment and uh, forget the illustration of how many people died and all that stuff. I want to talk to you a little bit about what it takes to climb Everest because, believe it or not, I think it applies to what we're trying to do here. I think there's a parallel. The goal for those who are trying to climb Everest is the summit, isn't it? We've got to get to the summit. There's no point in going up unless you're going to go to the top. There's no point in getting, hey, I got far up. No, you, you want to go all the way up or, or it's not worth the hassle of climbing Everest. The goal for us, let me be clear, is people coming to know Jesus. Isn't it? The goal for us is people coming to know God. The goal for us is that people coming to know God and finding a family that they're supposed to be in. The goal to us is that people who come to know God and find a family then begin to love the city and the city gets transformed. The goal for us is, is people cooperating with what God is already trying to do. We're not trying to make this up. We're just trying to get involved with God, what God is already doing. The reason for missional communities, the whole reason, it's not because we want to organize people better. It's not because it's a real pain to have lots of people and we have to put them in smaller groups. The, re the reason for church planting is not because we were bored one day and we said, hey, let's throw things up in the air and let's have a go because that'll be fun and we could do some church plants. The reason for missional communities and church plants, the reason for interns and apprentices is not because we just prejudice ourselves towards younger people. The, the reason for all those things is because we want to follow Jesus better and we want other people to find Jesus. That's, that's why. It's because we want people to be find, find themselves in families because we recognize that's how people grow best. And it's because we want to see a city transformed, every arena of culture transformed, poor people blessed, 
Blind people seeing, people discovering God in every arena. But here's the thing. If you're going to climb Everest and you're wandering around the footholes of the Himalayas with your friends on a trip, it's very beautiful and it's very wonderful. And you probably Snapchat home and say, isn't this incredible, check out the hills and it's wonderful and everyone's thinking it's the best trip they've ever had in, in their life. And then it begins to become really real because you reach base camp. And you meet the professionals at base camp and they've got all the equipment and, and they seem to know what they're talking about. And then it becomes really exciting because you begin to talk about the great adventure that you're about to go on. And then you have a vision meal, you know, the one with the meal, not just the snacks in the middle of the table. And then people start saying, oh, it's great. This is incredible. We're going to plant churches and we're going to see all this stuff transformed. And everyone gets excited about the, 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 the whole deal. And we talk about being all in. And it means different things to different people. But it's exciting. But now we're at Camp 4. Camp 4 is the top camp on Mount Everest. It's at 26,000 feet. It's a killer, literally. At that altitude, the air is so thin and the oxygen is so rare that you are physically dying. You're about to enter a zone where your breathing will not work anymore. And to summit Everest will be the hardest physical thing you have ever imagined wanting to do. And, and yet Camp 4 is just another stage on the journey that we already agreed to go for. It's just a natural stage on the journey. In some ways it's no different from base camp where we all dreamt and we talked and we said, this is going to be great, we're going to go on an adventure. It's just another stage on the journey. It's just harder, way, way harder. Because the environment is tougher and it's colder and you can't see very much and your colleagues are fewer because some of them left. In fact, lots of them left. There aren't very many of you who are going to summit. The temptation to quit is greater, but the goal is still the same and the vision is still the same. Let, let, me, let me try and ground this and help you understand what I'm trying to say because I'm sure it's not that clear. But the wonderful thing for us is this, that God has answered our prayers we asked him to bless us, didn't we? We prayed lots of prayers and we gathered in different meetings and we came to different services and we, we asked God to answer our prayers and he answered our prayers and people got saved and people got apprenticed and missional communities got established and we saw Stenhouse replanted and Ox Gangs planted and a Farsi-speaking church started and Lighthouse Central encouraged and a manse sold and a mission war chest acquired and significant funds given away and people blessed and it's been really good. But our planting of three churches and our encouraging of other people to come to the city to plant churches and our generosity with people and money has left us sucking for air. You feel that? It's left us going, the oxygen is thin around here. And it's left us looking around and wondering who else is going to summit with us. And can we still reach the summit? And who's left? But God is still calling us to do the thing that he called us to do. And he's not left us without ability to do it. Listen, I believe beyond any shadow of doubt, with all my heart, that the greatest dream you could have is to live your life full of the Spirit of God, on the mission of God, with the people of God.
That's what I believe. That's the greatest dream, to live my life full of the Spirit of God, on the mission of God, with the people of God. Fulfilling his purposes, to love the place that he's called me to, to find a family who will do it with me, and to follow Jesus with everything we've got. What would it look like if we summit it? What would it look like? What would it take for us to summit? Because like base camp four is like the hardest place on the planet. It's like the worst place in the world to be. And, and I tell you, sometimes it feels like that. It's like the worst place in the world to be because you cannot physically stay here. You haven't got long to stay. You, emotionally, you can't go back because you know what it was like and you've been ruined for that and you can't go back. And, and spiritually, you can't give up because God's not letting you do it. And from a climbing point of view, if you were a mountaineer, which clearly I'm not and I don't understand, but I've Googled it. From a climbing point of view, to reach the summit, if you're 26,000 feet up, you need three things. You need a clear goal of where you're going. You need enough oxygen to get you there. And you need a determined will to put one foot in front of another, even when you don't feel like it. Because if you allow your feelings to drive you, you will die. You will not reach the summit. From a spiritual point of view, you need three things. If we're going to reach the summit, we need God's clear vision, we need God's powerful spirit, and then we need God's obedient children who will say, we will do the thing that God called us to do. It's, it's about all in. That's what it's about. It's about looking around and saying, are you going to summit with me? Are you up for this? It's not going to be easy. Sometimes we won't feel like it, but it's not about feeling like it. It's about doing the thing that God's called us to do. It's about depending on one another. See, if the prisoners at Sockton and the mums in Castorfin are going to hear the good news of Jesus communicated them to them in ways that they fully understand, and, and by the way, that's beginning, then it's going to require an all-in. If, um, if the students in halls and the business guys in the city and the homeless guys in the graveyard in Prince's Street are going to see the love of God demonstrated to them in the way they need to see the love of God demonstrated to them before they'll ever believe there is a God in heaven who loves them, it's going to take an all-in. One foot in front of another, even when we don't feel like it. If, if those who think they're okay, because they seem to be okay, but they know they're not okay, and they pretend anyway are going to see a demonstration of the Spirit's power in a way that helps them turn their faces towards the fact that God actually moves today, then it's going to take an all-in. Even when you can't suck enough air, even when you don't really understand it all, even when you can't see exactly the direction, it's going to take one foot in front of another. It's going to be hard, but it's got to be all of us. And we can look around and we can go, it's because and that shouldn't happen and why are we doing this and who's doing that and we can point all the fingers um, and we can say it's, it shouldn't be and this could be and that should be or we can just agree to leave camp four <laughs> and start walking towards something that God has called us to because the church in the city hasn't necessarily always had a great reputation for being for the city. And the statistics in the nation don't tell us that if we keep doing the same old, same old, we're going to get anything other than same old, which is not incredibly positive. Same goal, nothing new, 
clear vision, more of his spirit, great effort. Following Jesus, not because we've decided we've got to do it, but because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Being family, not, not because it fits Central's thing to do missional communities, but because I can't, I can't do it without people. And, and irrespective of what your personality is, and irrespective of your friendship groups, none of you can either. And uh, loving Edinburgh, not because we worked it up, but because we followed Jesus and we became family and it flowed out of us. People got transformed lives got saved. So here's the more practical stuff. We, we want to love Edinburgh, be family, follow Jesus, and we, we, we believe not radically that we have two vehicles to do it with. You might call it gathering and going. We, we gather here, usually, Sometimes we gather in Stenhouse now, sometimes we gather in Oxgangs, we gather in Preston Pans, and hopefully in the next few years we'll gather in a number of different locations. We gather together as the people of God to worship God and to encounter God and to help other people worship God and encounter God. We go. We go in communities, in families, in workplace groupings, in sports clubs. We, we find home so the question is, how can our gathering this and our going that enable this? Loving Edinburgh so that Edinburgh goes, goodness me, I don't understand half of what they do, but they seem to love us incredibly. And if anyone ever removed that church from the city, the city would grieve. Being family, so when people encounter us, they go, I know that I'm craving community and I'm finding something there that looks a bit weird and a bit odd, but they seem to love each other, which is kind of Jesus-like. Following Jesus so people would meet and encounter Jesus. What are we going to be up to in this Camp 4 season? Let me tell you. Communities. We love communities. We love groups of people that are small enough to care and strong enough to dare. That's the only rhyme you're getting this evening. Small enough to care. You really care because you know each other and you're strong enough. Even actions. Give me a ribbon in a minute. Strong, strong enough to, to, to dare. In this season, our communities need greater coverage. There'll be more of them in more locations, in more places. There needs to be greater variety, more options, something that really suits what God is calling you to, and some of you will have to start them. Greater accessibility to a group. In other words, we, we want you to be in community. We don't want to put barriers in the way of people being in communities and in, and in families. That must, doesn't make any sense. And there will be greater support for you in communities because we believe these are the primary vehicles that God is using to build his church. This is the place of family. And, and then our gatherings. In this season, I think our gatherings will have greater focus we want our gatherings to be places that are totally accessible to people who don't know Jesus yet. Which makes a whole bunch of sense, doesn't it? Because 98% of Edinburgh probably fall within that category. 
We want, we want our gatherings to be places where there is a greater welcome, the best welcome you can receive. And, and we're really open to saying, what does that look like so that people can feel totally welcomed and totally included? We want our gatherings to be a spaces and places where people encounter God in ways that they can understand, not in ways that just freak them out. In, in, encounter God in the scriptures, helpfully explained, not in ways that, that, that just are really weird to people and they can't understand what's being said. Through the stories of the scriptures and through the stories of the followers of Jesus, I want this place to be an easy space for you to invite the people that you're already having conversations with about faith. I want this place to be a safe place to hear a dangerous message. A place where the offense is only Jesus. It's not Jesus' people being a little bit unlike Jesus. I want this to be a real place, a place of real worship, a place of real prayer, a place of real encounter. I want, I want our children's programs and our youth programs to be programs where young people are not only so passionate that they're dragging their families to the house of God, but it's equipping them to be followers of Jesus themselves because following Jesus in, in the schools of our city is really tough. Do you know that? It's really tough to follow Jesus as a teenager today, as a, as, as a young person today. We want them to be followers of Jesus who are being family and loving Edinburgh. So what would it look like if what we do here and what we do there in our homes, in our houses, in our communities were kind of symbiotic? They weren't in conflict. They were complementing one another. What we were doing here was enabling what you're doing there, and what you're doing there was gathering people to come here because that's a, a healthy, biblical, New Testament rhythm. One vision, two vehicles, three parts, camp four. I, I worked that out all by myself. <laughs> I think... <laughs> Wow. No, well, I don't know. Thank you so much. I think what I wanted to say is this before we, before we give you, uh, we're about to give you an opportunity to, to have a conversation around, does it make any sense? What are we talking about? Let's ask some questions. I wanted to tell you what my commitment to this is because I'm aware that my role has shifted and changed and you know, we have some movement in around who's around staff and what, what's that doing. I wanted to say that I'm in. You might say all in. Let me, let me tell you what it means for me, because if, it, if I could tell you what it means for me, it might help you understand what I think it might mean for you. I, I'm all in to continue to lead this church. I lead Ken, yes, and I love that. I think God's called us to do something. I think God's called this church to be a, a, a provocative, prophetic voice and, and I love it. I, I speak at a variety of other things. I write a number of things quite badly at times. But this is my church. And this is my home. And this is my family. And this is the call that God gave me first. And he hasn't rescinded it. So my job is to help you love Edinburgh, be family, follow Jesus. And, and for myself to love Edinburgh, be family, follow Jesus. I will continue to give my tithes and my offerings here. That's what it means to be all in for me. I'm building a community. Nikki and I are building a community around our house. I pray with my friends because I know if I don't pray with my friends regularly, I won't walk with Jesus in the way that I need to. I write rooted, but I also do root it. 
Because I know if I don't have a rhythm and pattern of prayer and devotion in my life, I can't be all in. I won't make it beyond camp four. I lead the elders. I lead the senior staff team. The teaching program is on me. I'm, I'm all in for this thing. And, and let me tell you what I'm asking of you. What do I want? Very briefly. Well, I don't know what it means for you, and I and certainly don't want to be a spiritual fascist and tell you what you need to do and how you need to do it and how much you need to give and how that needs to happen because that's between you and God. But I do want to say that all in will mean a different thing to each one of you. And, uh, and I'll tell, I want to tell you a story. When, when um, Maybe about four or five years ago, God started to speak to me about the story of Gideon in the Scriptures. And I love that story. I think it's incredibly powerful, and I think it's incredibly poignant for our generation and our day. You know, the, the whole Midianites and uh, the church, the people of God hiding in caves, and then God raises up a very unlikely leader. And, and I think the thing that God really spoke to me about it was when I asked God, I said, God, I, I believe you're calling us to do something significant. He said to me, I'm not giving you 30,000 people right now. I'm giving you 300. And I said to God, why not? Because I like the idea of 30,000 and 300 is okay, but it doesn't seem so good. And then he showed me the story of Gideon and showed me that each one had a torch and a trumpet. Everyone got to play. Everyone got to shine a light. Everyone got to make a noise. I suspect the light looked different from each person. I suspect the noise sounded different from each person. But everybody decided in their way to be all in. So my job, I think, and the job of the staff team, I think, is to make what is going to be a very hard season, and let's not pretend, easier for you. I want to make it easier for you to start or join a community. That's, that's our plan. We want to make it easier for you to find family. So, so do it. That, that's our challenge. We want to make it easier for you to have a place where you can invite your people of peace to hear an incredible message about who Jesus is and what Jesus does. And because we want to make it easier for you, we want to encourage you to do it. We want to make it easier for you to, to give of your time, of your resources, and of your finances. We want to cast a vision that is compelling and we want to have a strategy that is accountable so that you can feel that that money and that's those resources and that time is worth giving. And we want to make it easier so you can do it. We want to make it easier for you to have a rhythm and pattern of prayer because we believe if you posture yourself after the presence of God, you will walk in the power of God. And if you don't, you won't. And so that's why we've established Rooted and that's why we're trying to do Rooted and that's why we're trying to make it better and easier for you to do, so do it. You don't need to feel like doing it every day. God didn't ask us to live by our feelings. Sometimes all you can do is put one foot in front of another. Say, this I resolve to do, this person I resolve to be, this is who God has called me to be. So, this is the thing. I guess this is the thing that every church that's worth its salt wants to do, isn't it? This is not, there's nothing particularly magical about this. We, 
we would go to any branding agency and they would tell us that this is a pretty bland uh, phrase that we're using, but it's still true, isn't it? We just want to follow Jesus. I want to do the things that Jesus asked me to do. I want to look like Jesus. And the way I do it is to find family. I can't do it. I'm never going to do that well unless I do this well. But you see, here's the thing. If I do that well, if I follow Jesus well, if I learn how to pray, if I, if I read my Bible and do it, if I, if I hear from God and move in the prophetic, if, if those things are happening in my life, if I share what I have with people, if I give generously, if I do what Jesus does and I do it in family and in community so it's sustainable, then the city begins to be loved and included and blessed. And so I, I think we might be at camp four. Some of you are thinking, I'm not even close. I'm in the foothills of the Himalayas and it's great. But for some of us, we're going, do you know, we've been at this a while. And we've seen some breakthrough and we've seen God do some stuff, but, but it's time to commit again and to go again. And I want to encourage you to come with me so that we might summit together.